Welcome to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your hosts, Sydney Carlson and Cole Wissinger. Good afternoon, Cougar fans. Yes, this is the Cougar Tailgate, and like the man said, my name is Cole Wissinger. Sitting right over there is Sydney Carlson. How are you, Sid? I'm great. How how was the week? It's been it's been a week since we've had BYU basketball. It has been a full seven days. Week. It has. Yep, and it was a week. Before that, it's been a weird schedule. We're so Gosh. used to Thursday, Saturday, and here we are with full weeks in between. I know. What's going on? And now you have to wait even more because it's Saturday. Yep. There's no BYU basketball tonight, never tomorrow. And well, then there's, there's, hey, the women, the women's team. Absolutely. What about the ladies? You cannot forget. And so they are in the midst of their WCC tournament as mm-hmm. a three seed. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yep. And then, uh, you know, barring, barring defeat, they would be playing also. On Monday night, similar to the fellas. Let's get a cougar double that's, hair going. That's what we're rooting for. But before we move on to what is ahead, we need to look back and see how the Cougars finished off the regular season. 15 second shot clock, 8.15 game clock, crossover by TJ, beat Polk, lobs it up for Yo- Yoli, comes down with it. Yoli jump hook is good! There it is! 2001, a child's odyssey! As Yoli goes over the 2,000-point plateau, and the Cougars have their game-high eight-point lead. That was a Yoli Childs highlight, because that was the highlight of the Pepperdine game. The the Pepperdine Waves, to their credit, they had a specific defensive strategy. They were going up against the most efficient three-point shooting team in the entire nation, as far as all of college basketball. And they said, we're not going to let you beat us with the three. And so BYU beat them with the Yoli Childs. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, I mean, truly to their credit, it's one thing to say we're not going to let you beat us with the three, but BYU's been very successful at that all year. So oh, yeah. being able to shut that down is pretty impressive. Um, but Man Alive, it is just a, a sheer joy to have Yoli Childs on the floor. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I can't stress enough how much I enjoy watching him and how much I'm going to miss him. <laughs> the, the the games are now numbered. Number of times Yo and Jake Toulson and TJ Haas will be on the floor together. Oh, gosh. We're going to savor every single one. And this is one of the ones to remember because Pepperdine really did do a decent job at pushing the ball inside for mm-hmm. BYU. And even when Yoli got it, and this, this is what kind of baffled me after he had his, like, 25th point and they were still adopting the same exact strategy of it goes down into yo and they would keep just one guy on him and have perimeter defense one man against Yoli Childs unless you're talking like that big fella for Dayton or whoever else is going to win player of the year for the entire NCAA is not going to be able to take on Yoli Childs one-on-one down in the paint he backed him up he put it down 38 total points on 17 for 27 shooting. He also led everyone in rebounding with 14. TJ Haas led in assists, mainly to Yoli Childs with right. 13. And it earned Yoli a WCC Player of the Week honor. Again. Again, back to back, which surprisingly his only two of the entire year, these last two weeks. And it possibly because he didn't get a lot of playing time oh, early in the absolutely. year. And so For we'll certain. talk about WCC awards in total uh, a little later on. But yeah, this this Pepperdine game, as we were looking at it, it, it could have been, as so many games could have been for BYU, the game where you get a letdown. And 
what is just sterling about their resume going into the NCAA tournament this year is they are undefeated against that quad four, that bottom tier where it always seems like BYU slips up just right. once in WCC play because the WCC season's so long and you understand the guys get tired. You have one mental slip up. That's fine. They didn't have it this year. Finally, we can officially say it. It did not happen. Pepperdine is done. WCC play is done. BYU did what they had to do. I Yeah, and I was worried about it. Those two games leading up to Gonzaga, it felt Oof. those were just so hard. Like, they were hard to watch. They were hard to get through. And it felt like this team was really kind of focused entirely on Gonzaga, which, you know, not complaining. <laughs> if, if they were, it worked out. It worked out <laughs> great. But I did get this just, like, heavy anxiety as we headed to Pepperdine. Just it was nice that they had a full week to prepare, but you would hate to see the momentum that they gained from Gonzaga be unraveled Mm -hmm. in a bad loss to Pepperdine. And there have been, like you said, so many of those in years past in the WCC where we drop one that we absolutely should not, and it just, like, crushes the the good thing you have going, your resume and – just kind of your overall confidence as a team and as a fan in your team. And BYU's got the national spotlight now. The 100%. attention was on them. They beat the number two team in the nation. They were ranked 17. They keep moving up in the rankings. They're top 10 net and Ken Palm and whatever else you want to look at. Right. BYU is being looked at and their resume, it, it just, it, even the people that aren't watching the games, when you just look at the win-losses, oh, you know, finish off with a loss after Gonzaga, just push them back down to where they were, seven or eight seed, forget about BYU again. You see it as a fluke. You see the Gonzaga game as a fluke at that point. Exactly. Whereas, in reality, the Pepperdine game would have been Uh the fluke. Right. But guess what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Because they won. But even, like, at halftime, right, Pepperdine was keeping it close because... BYU lives and dies by the three, mm-hmm. one of the hottest three-point shooting teams. And that's that's what kind of makes them a hot ticket for people watching in March Madness as we get forward. Because pretty soon everyone's going to be watching everyone. Folks that didn't know that St. Francis had a school in Pennsylvania will be watching their basketball team play because they're going to be in March Madness. <laughs> and so it's going to be fun for everyone, non-BYU fans and BYU fans alike, to see BYU heat up from behind the arc. But if they can't, we know we have Yoli download too. Absolutely. And, yeah, and like you said, I mean, so we went to this National Sports Forum, um, Athletics did a few weeks back, and I can't tell you how many people that we met there have reached out to us since just to be like, oh my gosh, amazing win. Like, people are watching this team and they're getting excited about this team. And I think Gonzaga has been at the forefront for so long that you know, you, you've got this built-in like national following already that people are interested in what's happening with Gonzaga, but he, they're also a little bit I don't bored. Think, not yes, okay. They're a little bored with Gonzaga's success, so there's something really exciting about a, t- a team like BYU coming in and just playing so well and taking down a team that we're a little bored of. That's right. That's all, and we are too. I, I can handle BYU. I, uh, listen, you know. listen, I've been bored of Gonzaga for a long time. <laughs> TJ runs it into Kessler, high off the glass, and oh! got it to go! The circus shot from TJ Haas! Now it's BYU by 15, 2.35 to go. The work is almost done here in Malibu. What a shot. That was something. A couple more stats from Malibu before we leave you. The final score, 81-64. Jake Toulson, 3 for 3 from 3, uh, which... 
caps off just in the in the best possible way. Even in a game where Pepperdine's sole goal was to make you work for it from behind the arc, he is a top ten individual three point shooting player nationally on the most efficient three point shooting team. He's the WCC's newcomer of the year, which is the only of the big awards right. <laughs> that BYU took home, despite having a pretty decent candidate for Coach of the Year. Snubs. A pretty decent candidate <laughs> for Player of the Year. I mean, when you have a coach who is now being considered for the National Player of the Year, but wasn't the WCC Player of the Year, yeah. that feels a little personal, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, and and then you talk about the coach, where Mark Few is, sure, he's always the best, but then when you look at the non-Mark Fews that... Uh, are in the conference. Mark Pope came in brand new, had an entire – just like hearing him talk, he sounds like a Coach of the Year kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And just changing the the dynamic and, and, you know, the offense has always been there. But the kind of ferocity on defense, that's a new Mark Pope kind of a style, the way he got these guys playing. And the fact that he's, you know, new. Whenever you look at Coach of the Year, what what is the difference, right, in the rest of the team? Mark Pope is new this year. It seems like that could have been um, – it's it's also weird for for you and I because we've been talking to folks from every other school during the course of this year, and and that's we're going to talk a little bit about that too later on in the show. What we've learned over the couple months of covering these many different teams, and so I I was kind of thrilled for a half a second when I saw Damon Stoudemire's name because I thought, oh hey, the Pacific <laughs> guy I talked to like was gushing over Damon Stoudemire, and he yeah. did have a and then. By the time like that thought had formulated, I realized, wait, wait, wait. So, so not Coach Pope. So not- <laughs> Darn it! It's so it's so wild because Mark Few has won it so many times in the WCC, and he, I mean, rightfully so. Always he's, deserved. He's an incredible coach. He's done such amazing things with that program. And I look at the Stoudemire win, and I think that he's he's done such a great job with that team this year. And I think the only thing I can think the difference is is that. You look at like where Stoudemire's team was ranked to finish. Yeah, preseason polls and where the expectation was set. Right, like a huge jump. But I also look at Mark Pope and like granted BYU was, I don't know, projected to be third and we finished second. So it's not as much of a jump. But you look at all the We were really happy about it. We we (laughs) feel great about it. Um, But you look – you look at all the things that he had going against him heading into this season, and he overcame insurmountable odds. Without Yoli, you lose. Uh, you lost Gavin Baxter early on. We've been without Dalton Nixon recently. Like so many hits to this team, and and I think it's important to note too, like the talent that he was able to bring here with him. Like Jake Toulson, what a huge get, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, sure. He was here first. He went to UVU <laughs> with Coach Pope. So you could argue that, like, oh, it probably wasn't that much of a sell. But but it comes with Coach Pope. Right. And Alex Barcelo also transferring and over Barcelo. from UVU. And Barcelo is huge. It's, it's been a different – and even though he doesn't get the official plaque or award or whatever it is that they give out at these award ceremonies <laughs> – um, he can hang his hat on one of the most exciting BYU seasons that we have seen in a long time. And 
And sometimes it's just that fresh new face that gets yeah. fans energized in something exciting. new. He's so and he is embraced, as we talked about last week, to the rock president and vice president. They love everyone just has been able to gather around Coach Pope this year. Dropped He's, a solid fifteen hundred or eight fifteen, eighteen hundred dollars at Cubbies the other night for the rock. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who does that? Coach Pope. Coach That's Pope. And number one in our hearts. Number WCC one in our hearts. coach at BYU. Potentially, yeah. I mean, let's see this this short list. They've got two, four, six, ten, a ten, ten person short list. For the national coach of the year mm-hmm. going up against San Diego State and Baylor and Gonzaga. Like those are one seeds. In those the are <laughs> one seeds. And yeah, I just oh Kentucky. These are titans of the college basketball world, and your first year as head coach. To come in and make that big of a statement is truly impressive. So Coach Pope comes up short there. Yoli comes up short in the player of the year to Gonzaga's Philippe Petrushev. But the uh, first team of the WCC, which which I have a little bit of a beef with here as well. But <laughs> but the, the headline is BYU has three players in the all-WCC first team. That's out of ten. Hold on a second. If it's the first team in basketball, the way you do it is you have a starting five. Mm. WCC named 10 players to their first team. The second and third teams just have five each also. But whatever it is, whatever the decision went into it, uh, (laughs) BYU got three guys on it. It's the guys you would expect, Jake Toulson, TJ Haas, and Yuli Childs. And I'm happy with that headline. First the bowling style tournament bracket. (laughs) Now 10 people on your first team. What is going on, WCC? They need to reassess, I think. (laughs) But but it worked out in w, in BYU's BYU. favor, at least in this case. Eh, so it's okay, and that that puts a wrap on the WCC regular season. And now we look forward to the tournament. And here on the show, we've uh, we covered kind of the tournament stylings and what to expect. BYU doesn't play till Monday night anyway, so we're not going to really know. I mean, even as we sit here today. The uh, the play in game for that the the quarterfinals semifinals whatever we're at right now uh, to even know who BYU plays isn't until later tonight and so we're just gonna take a moment and look back at what we've learned over the past couple months we're gonna take a look at BYU's season as a whole how Yoli Childs got to this point of being a WCC Player of the Year contender and how Coach Pope got to a Coach of the Year contender as well nationally and that'll all be coming up next right here on the Cougar Tailgate. You guys remember talking about February before we got here, just about how February is a defining month? I think it is. Like, February is rarely fun. Like, it's just, it's, you just are just digging through the mud. And, and you guys can remember the game, San Diego, just digging through the mud the whole time, right? There's been others, and there was a ton of times for us to get frustrated sideways and, and disinterested. There were so many opportunities. And that speaks to these young men. I'm telling you, it's these young men. It's the leadership of Jake Toulson and TJ Hawes and, and Yoli Childs and equally or more as much from Zach Selyus and, and uh, Alex Barcelo. And, uh, it's, these are spe- I'm telling you, these are special young men. And the, the things that you're listening off that are first time ever or whatever, that, that's because of what's inside of these, of these guys. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's really fun to watch. Welcome 
Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate. My name is Cole Wissinger, and sitting right across from me, as always, is Sydney Carlson. Hey, How are you? Great. Good, good. We're going to keep going, and we're going to, uh, before we look ahead to the exciting games still on BYU's schedule that, you know, we don't know who they're going to play or when, you know, NCAA tournament, WCC tournament, it's all to come. Let's control what we can control and just talk about the regular season that has now come to an end. It was all the way back in the beginning of November. The November longest season. fifth that BYU started this journey uh, approximately 10 years ago, by my it's, estimation. It's been a full lifetime. <laughs> Cal State Fullerton was first on the schedule and they got a win. Okay, good. Easy. On to next. Easy win. San Diego State. Now yep. we look at them and they are a one seed and they were undefeated until this weird inexplicable slip up against UNLV, another team that will come up in BYU's schedule. And we were up by nine, and it was at home, and oh boy. Had that game. Literally had that game, and it was rough. We That was a busy day. We had football in the morning, and we played a hard-fought battle against Liberty, but we won. <laughs> and Harder then, than it should have been. I think, like, honestly, it almost felt like a loss to me as we were going into this into the San Diego State game, and then we did lose. I just remember leaving that day being like, all right, let's put that one away, and let's move on. Too that much was, stress. That was a rough Saturday. Um, but you look at San Diego State, like you said, as a one seed, BYU has played three potential one seeds this season. Three likely one three seeds. Three likely. Three mm-hmm. likely one seeds. You've got San Diego State, Kansas, and Gonzaga split with Gonzaga. Handily defeated by Kansas, yeah, but it's okay. Yeah, it's it's, you can't win them all. You can't win them all. San Diego State was one that BYU could have had. And I mean, you look back and obviously you're missing Yoli. And I think with Yoli, like you you contain that game and you have it in the bag, but it's an impressive it's an impressive look back on this season, knowing what we know now and knowing where we were at at the start of the season and who we were missing. It's an impressive resume, one that we haven't had in a long time. And you were we, we were we talk about basketball just in our off time as well, and you were mentioning that the season seems like it could be split up into. The, the have and the have not when it comes to right. Yoli and a couple of the other players that have gone down. It's amazing to think back. We started the first nine games, and these are going to be against a few resume kind of teams right. without Yoli Childs. And performed, like, admirably. <laughs> I, I think the real—San Diego State was a real bummer of a loss um, just because we were ahead for so long. But they're a great team, and they've always been a great team. Mm-hmm. Boise State was probably the first really disappointing loss that I remember. I mean, jumping ahead, but... And at the time, it was an overtime, and they're just another Mountain West kind of team. They ended up being at the top half-ish of the Mountain West, but you didn't. we still didn't know what we were going to get out of Mark Pope. It was the first year right. after Dave Rose. Yo isn't there. Like, he came back, but is it going to even make a difference? This BYU team is always just kind of third in the conference, and yeah, we'll slip up a few times. And, and I wasn't surprised by the Boise State loss. I just figured, oh, this is one of the ones that just happened in a basketball season. Again, not realizing those kind of losses didn't happen in this basketball season, not once we did get right. Yo back. It's, yeah, and like you said, it's... You can break it down into <laughs> feels like two separate seasons and multiple different teams because there have been so many different combinations of guys on the floor at this point mm-hmm. that it's just been a really unique season to watch how this team has been able to kind of cobble together what they can and and put on 
a show. They were definitely still figuring out their configuration. And who was going to be the star? Because the game before Boise State, TJ Haas was coming off of one of the most spectacular buzzer beaters of the whole NCAA tournament season. Like now, now because BYU's got the national attention, when ESPN puts together their like, this is what happened this year in college basketball, put TJ hitting that buzzer beater against Houston on there because we're, we're that kind of a team. And that happened this season too. Again, seems like years ago. But, but he had a couple. Yeah, he had he a couple had, bubble more buzzer beaters. Do we want? Do we want that Houston one or? Fast forward to uh, conference play yeah. a little bit as well. I mean, that's a that's a far fast forward. <laughs> we don't need to jump that far ahead. But yeah, you, there's some just so many memorable moments to this year, and I look back and I can't think of a year really since Jimmer where there have been this many like key highlight moments that you're like throwing that up on the reels on ESPN or on Sports Nation or wherever it is, like, there are these moments that stick out in our minds so much from this season. Um, Even when you have dropped a few disappointing losses, not really knowing where you're at or who you are quite yet, it's been such a fun team to watch. So let's talk about resume just for one moment, because then we got into the the little Maui tournament, right, a tournament inside the tournament where we beat UCLA and then got – your butt's handed to you against Kansas and then won against Virginia Tech. And I thought I'd take this opportunity to kind of explain how how the tournament selection committee looks at wins and losses for a team. They use these quadrants. This is a new thing, new-ish, like maybe it's been five years. It seems new to me because I never knew what the workings were that figured out who got what seed. But the way they do it is the following – A quad one victory or loss counts as a home game against a 1 through 30 ranked net team. Now, this isn't the AP poll or Joe Lenardi's top 10 or whatever they do. This is the NET basketball rankings. If you're 1 through 30 ranked there, which, by the way, uh, BYU ranked ninth in that particular ranking system to give you an idea of where everyone's at. So if you're 1 through 30 at home against that team, that's a quad one game. Neutral site, 1 to 50. Away games, 1 to 75. All count as a quad one win because it's harder to win on the road, right? Easier yeah. to win at home. It's making some sense so far. I'm quad- not going to lie. There's a blank expression on my face. I feel like that gif of Steve Nash in A Beautiful Mind when he's like writing on the windows. And then you just kind of see But you're it doing all. great. It's, it has you. nothing to do with your explanation. It's just why is it so complicated? Because it can. Quad <laughs> two uh, is the next chunk. So home games against 31 through 75. Neutral site games 51 through 100. Away games uh, when you're ranked 76 through 135. You get you get a little bit of a buffer, and that counts as a quad two win or loss. Uh, and then quad three, another chunk, and then quad four, another chunk. I don't really care about quad three and four because guess what? BYU undefeated in the quads three and four. That's normally where the weird like lower tier of WCC that got a fluky win against BYU show up. This year, nope. BYU even even in like the Boise State overtime loss or some of the the maybe weaker losses on BYU's schedule, they were at least quad two losses. I mean, even just with context clues, that sounds pretty great. Yes, <laughs> that's that's what I try to do. Try to explain something. I mean, Any, yeah. Anytime you can say you haven't lost to any of the two bottom dwellers, yes. two bottom dwelling quadrants. 
You I'm really trying to keep up. You you've got a like a firm grasp on this quad system. I majored in statistics. Did you know that? Brigham Young University. The, you heard the it here first, thing folks. on my degree it says statistics, not communications. I, wow. I'm in my element wow. talking about math and basketball. I stayed away from math emphatically in my <laughs> in my undergrad. You know what my statistics uh, classes taught me? It's that 76 is pretty decent and 155 is not and that's all you really need to know when it comes to these quads ucla <laughs> we got a win against they are the 76th team in the net right now that was a neutral site that's a quad two and it was a victory that's good for byu yeah. and the more of those like meaty parts of your schedule in the non-conference go towards you that's good news even when it was without yoli even when it looks like a totally different team it still is on the resume. And, yeah, and UCLA has just been – has finished out their their schedule in a way that it just keeps looking better and better for BYU and, like, bless all of these teams that are, like, boosting our resume <laughs> as the season goes along. Like, who knew – who would have thought I, – I mean, I certainly wouldn't have guessed going into that San Diego State game that by the end of the year they'd be looking at a one seed. Even when we – you know, we're going head to head against them in the Mountain West Conference. They were never one seed material. They've always been good, but all of these teams that it's like, yeah, okay, we we dropped that one, but it looks a lot better now. <laughs> when you can say, yeah, but we almost beat them, and now they're a one seed, and we did beat Gonzaga, who is a one seed. So, you know, thanks for thanks for being on on message. <laughs> the everyone, rest, else. everyone else, <laughs> we appreciate it. Virginia Tech, right around UCLA, they're 86 in the net. So again, a quad two. You finish out the Maui Invitational going two and one. And the only loss is against the current number one overall, which doesn't even count as far as anyone cares. Of course you lose that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have one game against, is it Montana Tech? Montana Tech. And then... Montana Yo Tech was that back. sneaky that sneaky game that we threw in there so that we could have Yoli back for Utah. There, there was a ninth game. Yep. <laughs> because game 10 is Utah at Utah in overtime. Oof. With Yoli for half. Beautifully with Yoli for half. Mm-hmm. What a gorgeous first half of basketball that was. It was one of those where you sit there and you're like, am I dreaming? Am I awake? What's happening? This is... A little too good to be true. Anytime you're beating Utah that handily, it is just a joy, you know? And so it hurts. It hurts when you know how <laughs> the second half turned out. Right now, and there's a reason I went to all that labor to explain what the net is, because Utah is currently ranked number 86 in the net. If it is, it was an away game and it was a loss. If they can move up just 11 spots into the top 75, if they can do something in that Pac-12 tournament or make make a case and have other laws and whatever whatever math goes into the net, then BYU that moves from a quad two loss to a quad one loss. And again, like we said before, this is the first loss of only two losses that Yoli Childs would experience. Yeah. But there was a double digit lead when Yoli went out with an injury. Right. And so I don't count it. <laughs> doesn't count. Doesn't count. We're forgetting about it. It doesn't matter. Moving on to that team that did beat San Diego State, UNLV, beat them by 33. No big deal. Moving on. The other <laughs> Nevada team, beat them by 33. 
Back to back. Back to back 33. Moving on. <laughs> Utah State, the team that we thought would be at the top of the Mountain West. They ended up again. A team that was ranked like top 20 to mm-hmm. start the season. Uh, get a win against that. Uh, yep. Four point win. Four point win against Utah State. That was in the Marriott Center, and that starts. That was at Vivint Smart Home. Wh- Ooh. You're correct. Because that was the Beehive Classic, and that's how BYU ended undefeated. In undefeated BYU. in the Beehive Classic. <laughs> World time, world, world state champions. <laughs> That's world, yeah, state champions. It just sounds more. It sounds more official and exciting if you put world in front of it. Gotcha. Take the ball, go home. No more beehive classics. Right. Be why you want it. No need to. No need to even wonder. Like everyone anymore. was just really tired of losing all the time. So <laughs> they just couldn't handle. <laughs> they just, yeah, they couldn't handle. It. They were like, you know, what? we don't want to do this anymore. BYU is just too good. And then um, to get into WCC play, Weber State. Oral Roberts, a couple more wins, boost up the non-conference just a little bit, you know, not not the quad three and four, just kind of beef it, and then you're into WCC play. Yes, yeah, so you get four solid victories, all with Yoli, and then you jump right into St. Mary's without him, and it hurts you a little bit. And that's one of the first notable WCC games is that St. Mary's overtime loss on the road not not your favorite but also it just is so indicative of what this team is and is not without Yoli Childs Mm -hmm. and again an overtime loss on the road doesn't hurt you really that much and that was kind of the story of before BYU hit their stride but once Yoli comes back right and and we thought we thought that he was going to be around maybe for that week and a half later against Gonzaga he's not so again, they're a, they were number one at that time. Doesn't even count. Moving on, the rest of that WCC schedule, starting with Pacific, where Yola is back, and going on, you only have one loss. And so again, because I personally don't count as Utah as a Yoli game, <laughs> yeah. Yo lost one game the whole season, and it was the flukiest of flukin San Francisco. BYU, again, double-digit lead. Then San Francisco got hot. Really, one particular player on San Francisco got hot. Shabazz, who came off the bench in that game to go 10 for 10 and have 32 points. If he misses any one of those buckets. (laughs) We win. It's a win because we only lost by one. And And if that's your weird fluky game, I'm okay with it because San Francisco is still, what, fifth in the WCC. They were doing pretty good. They pushed Gonzaga to their limits in their game. Um, not a bad loss. Not a terrible loss. A disheartening one for sure. Yeah. Um, but Shabazz, like, that's a performance that is just unreal. Nobody comes in and goes 10 for 10. That is, like, the, you, how do you account for that? Like, it's, sometimes there's just— Colby Lee went 8 for 8. Uh, a couple games before. (laughs) So you can get close, but not done for 10. (laughs) Um, And San Francisco has a history of putting games together like this where they kind of let BYU take control and then turn it on in the last second. And unfortunately, it's one that we dropped. But you look at the overall resume, the whole picture, and that one doesn't hurt you as bad. Like, in years past, some of these WCC losses have just been brutal when you look at them, like a bad loss to a Pacific team when they weren't as good as they, year, they were yeah. this year. Like usually Pacific is, you know, bottom two. And when you have a loss like that, even on the road, like they those are unacceptable. That's when you look at BYU sitting on the bubble right. on Selection Sunday and you think, oh, why didn't we get in? 
It's because of those. It's because of those. You had a couple cool wins. You know, they beat Gonzaga from time to time, and that's fun. But but ultimately meaningless if you can't pick up the games that are should basically be gimmies. Yes. And luckily, BYU was able to like avoid those this year. Some disappointing conference losses. Really, just that one really disheartening one against San Francisco. But like a loss to Gonzaga, you're always going to have a loss to Gonzaga. You're more likely than not going to have a loss to St. Mary's. But Both being... of those and all three of those being on the road. Because right. once we were in the Marriott Center for conference play, undefeated. 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 Good job, Rock. Our only loss in the Marriott Center was that um, San Diego State game. That's pretty impressive. That's against a one seed? Against a I'm one right seed. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. They end the season with nine straight wins. You rattle them off. They score over 100 against Pepperdine. They put up 18 threes in a single game later on. They beat Gonzaga. They beat San Francisco. And they beat St. Mary's, the three teams that you lost to earlier, all part of that last stretch. Revenge tour. Exactly. And it worked (laughs) out. And then you cap it off with a victory against Pepperdine to make sure there are no dumb losses. And you're going into the WCC sitting pretty. Final record of BYU. How we got there, 24-7, and 13-3 in conference. It's a great jumping off point as you look to go into the WCC tournament too. And like being solidly the two seed is such a good feeling. I I know I talked about this before, but, like, for the first time in so long, it's like you can breathe a sigh of relief because BYU's in the tournament. Like, we're in it. You you would have to essentially stop playing basketball to not at this point. And that is such a relief and that you can almost enjoy the tournament a little bit more. Like, at this point, it's just you're playing for a seed. You're playing for a better, like, slot And sure, I absolutely want a victory on Monday, and I would love a victory on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Um, But regardless, you can kind of go in and enjoy what this team has been able to put together up to this point and relax a little bit more as you watch the tournament and have a little more fun with it rather than every every basket is – is crucial to getting into that big dance. It's not that way. Now you can just kind of hope and pray that it means you get a little bit better seed, but it's not as like – nervy and anxiety ridden as it might be and right now the worst case scenario is you slip a couple seed spots down and you end up having to play like a one or a two but the way the ncaa works is they try to avoid you know rematches in the first couple rounds because byu already has three of the four one seeds on their schedule if you slip down to an eight that means you just get baylor probably that's that's the other presumptive one seed and I hope so. I, would, I don't know if that's too bad. They just slipped up against TCU last Saturday. They're the, they're vulnerable as well. The worst case scenario for me would be to get trapped in Gonzaga's, <laughs> Gonzaga's yeah. like quadrant. I just no thank you. I do not want to play them four times this year if I don't have to. If it's if it's in the national championship game, then I guess <laughs> we can make our way there eventually. Yeah, <laughs> but I just I yeah it's because I look back at like BYU soccer and they're they're. Uh, the straw that they pulled in the NCAA having tournament, Stanford having Stanford the in the bracket. Eight. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, yeah, sure. If you're the team that should make it to the Final Four and to the national championship team, then you should be able to get past any team that comes. If but, you're going to win the national championship, you have to win everything. But 
whoever made it to the national championship against Stanford didn't have to play Stanford until they got there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That could have been BYU. That could have been BYU, 100%. So, yeah, I would love to not have to face Gonzaga until the national championship. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying I'm saying right now, no, I'm not. I'm not that BYU is going to win everything. <laughs> I'm absolutely not. I'm all right with that. Uh... When we come back, Sydney Carlson will give her official predictions of Great. where she thinks BYU will be in the NCAA tournament, and we'll talk a little bit more about what the WCC tournament means uh, and some of the other things you can expect there in Las Vegas this weekend. That's coming up next on the Cougar Tailgate. My name is Paul Wissinger, and still sitting over there, Sydney so, Carlson. How's it going? Thanks for not leaving. <laughs> it's it seems like an update every time. You know, I'm here, you're there, nothing changed. We have it's we fine. have glass in between us again, everyone. Just just so you're aware, it's a you weird did, you didn't know. studio. You didn't know we were we were so good at hiding it. Ugh. <laughs> they move us around. There's busy things happening at BYU Radio. This is a professional broadcast establishment. It's true. There There's, are things happening. People are busy. We get it. It's funny. I mean, we were talking about the the different interviews that we've done with various folks across the WCC this year. And as I was trying to imagine who I was talking to, I could picture which of the five different studios I had bounced <laughs> around to either record it ahead of time or that we did it live on, on the Saturday for you. Or like I could – as I was picturing talking about Steve Nash, I knew that I was in Studio 1B when I was doing that. About yeah, Santa I think Clara. I've only been in three, so I'd have to graduate to the full the full experience at some point. They'll they'll take you around. <laughs> so uh, this week it is the WCC tournament. This has already started. It's happening right. It's happening tonight, and then it will continue on Monday and Tuesday. And we hope BYU will be participating in both of those games. Yeah. BYU is. In Las Vegas for that at the Orleans Arena, which has a fresh new look for the WCC tournament this year. It does. Don't care for it, Cole. Don't care for it. Oh. <laughs> it looked – I mean the tweet that they threw out seemed fancy. It, yeah, there's this trend right now with courts where they create this like grayscale look and it just – every time I see it, it makes me think that the coloring on my TV is off. Oh, it is exactly – it's the Barclays Center in Brooklyn <laughs> exactly. where the Brooklyn Nets play. And have I ever sounded more like a don't get off my lawn person in my life? <laughs> Probably not. But I just remember like every time I look over at the screen, I'm like, will somebody will somebody fix the TV, please? I just – yeah, that like gray and then they have like that that – mint green almost color that they're leaning into yes don't mind the color but it just everything looks like it's got like a instagram filter on it or something i don't know so all the different teams coming into the wcc are just going to wear their normal jerseys and so that'll kind of throw it off the worst thing about the nets doing it is that they also just wear black and white or gray and so whichever team is coming to town like i love when they play miami and they're wearing their like hot pink miami vice style jerseys against this just all black and white and gray, everything else. Or Memphis. The other day, Memphis was wearing the Vancouver Grizzlies era yeah. jerseys against the Nets, and it was just the starkest pop that you could imagine. And yeah, you know what? Your eyes just freak out. You know what it is? 
do you remember there was a trend for a while, like in the early to mid 2000s, okay. where people would take color pop pictures where everything was like black and white, and then you would pick one color to have like stand out? Oh, yeah. That's what it looks like. And I don't. That's like when we were first learning what Photoshop was, and now we're doing it for real. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I mean, I don't know, as a colorblind person, how how does that it's so how does it affect your old, the old noodle? <laughs> because sometimes I think things are black and white anyway, and then when I'm watching a Nets game, it actually is, and then just someone else comes into my screen that is blindingly lime green or whatever, and and I don't I can't do even that. tell what that it's. I know that it's weird. I can't I can't put a finger on what the heck is going on, but <laughs> this is this is the world I live in every day that oh. you just have to. Get this little little piece of. Should, should we do a 5K run for you? Yes, please. Okay, great. To, to support the, the pro-am <laughs> colorblind people across central Utah. And they're, they're plight in watching <laughs> sporting events. So when you talked about the, uh, the like, color pop thing, uh-huh. I know what you're talking about. I know the concept. I hate those pictures because I just <laughs> – I don't realize what's going on. I didn't know it's a special thing. I'm so sorry. How insensitive of me to bring There's, it up. There's a Carl Malone. I I, uh, I have a buddy that works in the mall that works for a sports store. I go talk to him all the time. There's a picture up there that's like on canvas, very nice, like 75 bucks, put in your house and frame it kind of like picture of Carl Malone wearing a purple jazz jersey where everything else is black and white. And my eyes also think that he's black and white. Like when – when he first like showed me, hey, this is a really cool new picture we got. I was like, like it's, just... it's a black and white picture of Carl Malone. <laughs> no, like the purple is jump completely lost on you. Black and white picture of Carl. Malone. There's oh. a movie Memento where like the whole yep. concept of it is that some of it is going forward in time, some is back in time, some is black and white, some is color. I, wow, when I how first confusing watched, was that movie for you? I just thought I thought the oh, whole thing no. was in black and white, and so I didn't realize that there was like cohesion between what was going which way and moral of the story is wcc look at what you're doing to cole i'm confused you're confused it's so confusing and it's just unfair like we're here we're here trying to you know give the good people the content and it's it's just i don't know what to do (laughs) i'm lost the wcc has dibs on the orleans arena for this week and then the whack comes to town maybe they'll they'll update the floor for the whack maybe this (laughs) is just a wcc thing uh, turns out there's more than one basketball stadium in Las Vegas, which doesn't even have so an many. NBA team. We're hanging out in the Orleans. The T-Mobile Arena, which is where the Las Vegas Golden Knights of hockey play, uh, they get the Pac-12. And then the Thomas and Mack Center, where UNLV is at, and I remember I was in Studio 2B when I interviewed <laughs> the fellow from UNLV talking about how cool the Thomas and Mack Center. In the Thomas and Mack Center for UNLV games, they put off fireworks inside the Thomas and Mack Center. That's what I remember from that interview. But, and if you want to check it out, you can go check out our podcast feed where you can find all of the interviews that we've done across the year and get really caught up. Did he tell you, like, what level of fireworks? Like, are we talking... I mean, more than sparklers. Something goes up. fireworks? I I was... (laughs) Yeah, Disney. They take the roof off the Thomas and Mack every night. And they shoot... No, it's... They (laughs) shoot off real fireworks inside a building. I was confused, wow. but he. Wow. I might have to go back and listen to it actually, because it still doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, the Thomas and Mac is where the Mountain West does their tournament. Three different stadiums in Las Vegas. It's a busy time. Basically, the entire Western United States of college basketball converges, and they figure out who their tournament champions are. 
Yeah, and Vegas, obviously a place that BYU is very familiar with, having been in the Mountain West Conference most recently and been in WCC the, now. Um, fun fact, BYU, I may have already mentioned this on the podcast, I'm not positive, but um, the BYU Game Ops team is actually running all the Game Ops for the entire West Coast Conference tournament at the New Orleans, Orleans Arena. The conference came to our marketing staff and just said, hey, nobody does game day like you do. The experience that you guys put on is Which is something that we all know. We, but mean, it's it's obviously. nice to get the recognition from outside. So if you see some things that feel a little familiar as a BYU fan, it's because it is. We're making you feel at home. So yeah. define for the folks at home that are just fans and watch basketball from time to time, what is a game op? What does that even – like what are they doing to make game day anything? Sure. So it's – Somebody described it much better than I have tried to in the past, which is that basically anything that's not the game at the game is what the game ops team is doing. Gotcha. So anytime there's a time, like a break in the action and there's stuff happening on the video board or if they bring people out on the court to do a promotion or halftime entertainment. Someone's shooting from mm -hmm. half court to win $8,000. Right. Also, any kind of LED signage that's happening so if you're watching it on tv there's like courtside led with advertisements sure sure that's the game ops team is running all of that the companies that you see are going to be different because that's all gone through the conference but all of that yeah all of that kind of game day atmosphere stuff that's being run by byu's own byu's own marketing team are we so, taking cougar kudos. tailgates down there forever cougar tails, cougar tails? <laughs> we should we should ship them in and be like <laughs> make everyone be like hey so this is this is our house <laughs> so thank you for coming and we will be taking that that uh that trophy home thanks that's the plan and that that is still to come here make sure to watch and if you are in town go down to the orleans arena monday night for byu's matchup against either st mary's or someone else we still don't know and, and hopefully then, the women on, on monday as well and absolutely yeah women go support play the girls in the same tournament fantastic <laughs> they do paisley johnson one of the gals that's uh playing for the women's basketball team this weekend. She's uh, recently engaged to a fellow that's also busy down there in Las Vegas. One Connor Harding. In, you know what? They should just they should just go get it done. They're both there. They're in, in Vegas. Vegas. That's where you get married. <laughs> that's where you get married. Guys, listen. Listen, this is a great idea. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm you talking to... to you specifically. No. No need to be distracted by, you know, a game or anything. Go ahead and get married. Oh, no, you're down there to get married now. That's that's the new goal. <laughs> well, we've done our recap of the regular season that was for BYU basketball. So when we come back, we'll play some of the sounds, the highlights from the first game to the last to get you ready for postseason play. You're listening to the Cougar Tailgate. Don't go anywhere. Kispert will pull and fire and miss the three. The rebound to Gilder with two and one. Floats and misses, and it is indeed over! And here come the fans! They're storming the floor at the Marriott Center! Senior night is a night to remember for the BYU Cougars! Your final score, 91-78! to 78. The Cougs have won it! You remember that game, right? No Cougar fan's going to forget it anytime soon. Hey, welcome back into the Cougar Tailgate. Sydney and I have spent the day kind of recapping the season that it was before we look ahead to postseason play. That means the WCC tournament this weekend slash Monday and Tuesday. 
it can be a long weekend for y'all. And then, of course, the month is March, and March Madness is coming. The NCAA tournament will be on its way before you know it. And so before we go on there, let's listen back to some of the highlights that you heard with this BYU team this year. Tosses it up, and we are underway. Colby Lee slaps it back to Alex Barcella, and BYU will take it from back to front, right to left, as we see it, and you hear it. The Cougars come out. This will probably be TJ to take it and go and score or dish. Harding, Haas, Barcelo, Toulson, and Nixon are the five on the floor for BYU. Harding inbounds to Haas with three seconds. Haas pulls up, fades away. Gets it to go! It comes in! TJ Haas gets a face! I don't know if you can hear me. I just got my headset yanked off. That was one of the highlights of my sports career. <laughs> I'm, four, I'm 48, and TJ hits it, and he's right. He's two feet away from me, and I got to give him the first hug, and everybody just came flying over here and knocking around. That was about as cool a thing as I've experienced, so permit me to just kind of pretend like I was part of the team for that moment because that was a blast. Man. Selyus! And the other way, Zach Selyus for three, and the Cougars go up five. It's a 14 to nothing run. 45 to 40, Zach for three. Just kind of wait for BYU to hit a couple, and they can score quickly. Evan Troy for three. And there oh, it is! Man. There it is! For the first time in BYU basketball history, it's 18 threes in a game. 18 triples has never been done until tonight. The BYU three party here in LA. Both shooting a very frigid number in the early part of the year. A drive and drift to the right corner. Nell, that might. Oh, yeah. Trevin good. Nell. Yes. The second he shot it. Trevin Nell for three. So Trevin Nell takes the lid off from deep. He was two for 11 from distance before that make. Some shots, he's just like, that's in. You don't even have to watch. Down to a seven second shot clock for BYU. Jake to Yo. Another three. This is the left wing. Good again. Oh Yoli <laughs> Childs, three for three from three. And the Cougars lead is a game high eight at 16 to eight, 15 30 to go until he, halftime. He's been watching guys for a month shoot threes. He's like, I can do that. TJ deep and got dang, it. Top dang. of the key. Three pointer for TJ Haas to Harding for another three. Good again. Three Connor Harding, three threes. Marcelo with a 30 second game clock. Penetrate to the right elbow. Hand off to Nixon. Back to AB. He's shot. got the three. He takes it. He yes! makes it. Alex Marcelo knocks it down. AB for three. Harding jabbing on Kessler Edwards. The baseline feed goes to Nixon. The whip out to Toulson for three. He got it again. Jake Toulson has 25 with a career high seven. Three-point field goals. A new career high on seven for nine tonight, by the way. Toulson accelerates the free-throw line, pulls it out to the left side, stops on the arc left, and hands to Lee. Lee will try the three and score it! Colby Lee for three! What a night. His career night continues. Eight for eight and 21 points for Colby Lee. BYU front court right side. Pook's having a tough time getting consecutive makes and consecutive stops right now as... USF's doing a nice job responding on every BYU big shot. Straddling the three-point line left side is Nixon. Now faces the basket, bounces twice, terminates, and looks for help. Has it in Haas. Pulls and fires and scores again from three. TJ Haas heating up. He's got eight. And that puts him in the BYU career top ten. Solo tenth place passing McKelly Wesley 
BYU's 10th all-time leading scorer, BYU's lead, goes to 7 at 29-22. to 22. TJ now 1,741 career points, one more than wow. McKelly Wesley, and now solo 10th place in BYU Hoops history. Into Scott. Scott banks and misses. Rebound to Yo, and that's 1,000. There it is. Career rebounds for Yo. Marcelo the rebound, number 5 for AB. AB will drive it, hand it off low to Yo. Yo at the rim, up there and it is. Two points. He passes Russ Larson into sixth place on the all-time career scoring tally. 1,886 points for Yo. The only jump hook is good. There it is. 2001, a child's odyssey. As Yoli goes over the 2,000-point plateau, and the Cougars have their game-high eight-point lead. T.J. Haas will enter it off the backside of the hockey, and he scores! Mark the Rabu! I did that once. That was awesome. He bounced it (laughs) off of Jalen Cohn's backside and lays it up and in with the foul for the (laughs) 50-48 lead and a chance for a three-point play. Now Marcelo as it stripped. Finally got it back. It goes to Nixon, whip to Harding. He'll drive the rim and dunk it! Connor Harding cleared for takeoff. And he makes it a 15-point game, 29-14. to 14. TJ driving Williams to the rim. Stop, pop, score! TJ to the 10 for two, and the Cougs up nine. It's all TJ Haas. TJ freaking Haas. TJ runs it, lobs it to Yo. Oh, and the hammer, the alley-oop throwdown. Leaking his Childs, and he hammers it home on the deep throw by Jake. Zags are off to a 5-for-12 shooting start. Open three, left side. Take it and miss it. Oh, Tip follow good. Baxter. Harding missed the three. And Gavin Baxter has his first points of the season on the follow slam. To the top side, to the left wing, to Yo. Yo dives low and a one-hand hammer. Remarkable performance. 38 points from Yoli Childs. Those will be his final points of the day as he checks out. BYU goes up 18, 81 to 63. Standing ovation from the BYU fans here at Firestone. BYU in front court, 10 seconds to play. Crossover by TJ. Drives past Kuzi, but a dunk and the tie. 77 77. 6.6. Ford with five and with four and with three. Ford, floater, missed it. We are going. To overtime! 2.6 to go. Far sideline send in. 15, 20 feet from the end line. The ball will be given to Sullivan. Baxter's in the face of Sullivan. Sullivan in the corner. A shot taken and missed at the horn by Hartfield. BYU hangs on to win it. Dukas on the end line. Gets it into Ford with seven and with six. He's at five. He gets into the okay. paint. He teardrops it. He missed it with two. It's it was one. It. A block shot. It's over. It's over. It's over. And the Cougars have won it. The Cougars defended the final possession to perfection and get out of here some way, somehow, with the win. It has been a crazy year for BYU basketball. And the best news of all, It's not over yet. There's a WCC tournament and then an NCAA tournament on the horizon. Sydney and I will be with you through it all. This is the Cougar Tailgate. We come to you on BYU Radio every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or, you know, an hour later if Sports Nation is doing a special from the WCC tournament. You can also check out the podcast anytime you want. It's Cougar Tailgate on any of your podcast apps or devices. We are a production of BYU Radio. My name's Cole Wissinger. That over there is Sydney Carlson. Go Cougs!